Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Yeah, you would think once I get the mic, I would have a whole lot, but it's just not in my nature, so I'll, I'll let the funny stuff lie with him. He's the one that likes to get up here and tell stories and tell jokes. Even if he bombs, he thinks that's funny. I don't. I'm not of that persuasion. I'm, I'm a serious person. And uh, my husband and both of our children have a great sense of humor. They keep us in stitches, and I'm the one that kind of keeps everybody on track. Say, okay, let's not take this too far. You probably see me often down in the front row going, no, no. He tries not to look over there at me because I'm doing this, and he just wants to go for it, and, and quite often he does it anyway. So <clears throat> I'm going to share some stories with you today out of the text of Mark chapter 5, verse 21. So while you're finding that text in your Bible or on your phone, I'm going to share another story with you to give you some time to find that about a dog named Mac. Now, like I just said, he tells funny stories. This is not a funny story, okay? It's a true story, and it's um, written by a guy and his wife who write a blog. I came across it while I was doing some research. So the story of Mac. The gentleman said, my wife and I learned something strange recently about our already strange dog, Mac. The mid-sized black and white mutt we've had for almost a decade. With his barrel chest, stubby legs, his hunter's nose, and soulful eyes, he looks like a black lab crammed into the body of a beagle. He was on doggy death row when we got him from a shelter in Alabama. He was so odd and nervous that you could never tell what was going to turn his terrors on. More than once, we returned home to find him paralyzed on a small rug as if he was stranded on an island amid dangers we couldn't see. Mac has been having some troubling health issues lately, and in the course of the vet's investigation, there was an incidental finding. Mac has a bullet in him. I cannot overstate how disturbing this news was to my wife and me, it's not just the obvious disgust, the thought of some miserable person taking aim at an utterly docile dog, and the thought of Mac crawling off to die somewhere, and then somehow not dying, for Mac is not only docile, as our vet has told us, he's naturally tough. Dogs hide pain. They do not want you to be aware of it, but Mac will try to hide even his reaction to extreme procedures at the vet's office. As if he's learned somewhere, it does not pay to let a human being know what you feel. But it wasn't just the act itself that so disturbed us. What was really gut-wrenching, what left us both stunned and tearful in our kitchen the day we, walked, we talked to the vet on the phone, was thinking about Mac, carrying around this memento of the violent act for all those years. All the life we had lived, the births of our daughters, the illnesses, the recoveries, the new cities, the careers, and to think that sweet, odd dog all the while was carrying around unspeakable pain. I know that's a pretty depressing story to start out with, but um, it gets better from here, so that's the good news. <laughs> we're going to put Mac on hold, and we're going to revisit that story at the end of the sermon. So if you've found the scripture, Mark chapter 5, I'm going to start in verse 21. 
It says, after Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Just then, a man saw that it was Jesus, so he pushed through the crowd, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet. His name was Jairus, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. He pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, Please come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death, and she's only 12 years old. Come, lay your hands on her, heal her, and I know she will live. Immediately, Jesus went with him, and the huge crowd followed, pressing in on him from all sides. Now in the crowd that day, there was a woman who had suffered horrible bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she was not getting better, but worse. When she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd, and she came up from behind him, and she touched his prayer shawl. For she kept saying to herself, if only I can just touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. If I can just touch him, I know I'll be healed. As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it, for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him, for he felt the power that always surged around him pass through him for someone to be healed. He turned and spoke to the crowd, saying, Who touched my clothes? His disciples answered, What do you mean, who touched you? Look at this huge crowd. They're all pressing up against you. But Jesus' eyes swept the crowd. He was looking for the one who had touched him for healing. When the woman who experienced this miracle realized what had happened to her, she came before him, trembling with fear. She threw herself down at his feet, saying, I was the one who touched you. And she told him her story of what had just happened. Then Jesus said to her, Daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. Before he had finished speaking, people arrived from Jairus' house, pushed through the crowd to give Jairus the news. No need to trouble the master any longer. Your daughter has died. But Jesus refused to listen to what they were told. I love that. He said to the Jewish official, don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. So they left for his home, but Jesus didn't allow anyone to go with them except Peter and the two brothers, Jacob, also known as James, and John. When they arrived at the home of the synagogue ruler, they encountered a noisy uproar among the people, for they were all weeping and wailing. Just a little more, hang on. Upon entering the home, Jesus said to them, Why all this grief and weeping? Don't you know the girl is not dead but merely asleep? Then everyone began to ridicule and make fun of him, but he threw them all outside. Then he took the child's father and mother and his three disciples, and he went into the room where the girl was lying. He tenderly clasped the child's hand in his, and he said to her in Aramaic, Talitha kum, 
which means little girl, wake up from the sleep of death. Instantly, the 12-year-old girl sat up, stood to her feet, and started walking around the room. Everyone was overcome with astonishment in seeing this miracle. Jesus had them bring her something to eat, and he repeatedly cautioned them that they were not to tell anyone about what had happened. Wow. Two amazing stories. I want to go back to the woman in this story. She's never named. You never hear what her name is. All you hear about is what she's dealing with, her issue. In several um, different uh, versions of the Bible, she's referred to as the woman with the issue of blood. So that's all she's known as, is this woman with an issue. So I thought I'd look that up. Webster's Dictionary says that an issue is a vital, unsettled, unsettled matter. It's a concern, a problem, a flow, or a difficulty. She definitely had all of those. See, back in those days, it was actually illegal for a woman who was bleeding to come in contact with anyone else. Her family couldn't sit where she had sat. They couldn't eat any food she had prepared. She couldn't go to the synagogue. She couldn't go to the market. She couldn't come in contact with anyone. So she was alone. She was isolated. And all she was known by was her unclean issue. That's pretty rough. Twelve long years. I can't even imagine what that would be like. She had spent all that she had on doctors with no results, and this disease has isolated her, and it brought her poverty and loneliness. And yet, when she heard about Jesus, she was compelled to risk everything and push through the crowd. Now, Jesus is at the front of the crowd, and she's at the back, and she's legally not allowed to touch anyone. She shouldn't even be there. But I love verse 28. She kept saying to herself, if only I can touch his clothes, I know I'll be healed. That's amazing faith, especially after 12 years of loneliness. That woman went there that day with an intention to touch Jesus. She was intent. She knew she needed healing, and she was going to go for it. The definition of the word intent is an act of purpose, a clearly formulated plan, having the mind, attention, or will concentrated on an end result. She had a plan that day. She was going to push through that crowd and risk her life because there was nothing left but more loneliness and poverty. She was there for healing. She knew what it was going to take to get it. In, in verse 32, it says, But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd, looking for the one who had touched him for healing. He felt her faith. He knew who she was. Jesus knows each of us. He knows what's going on with us. But he wanted her to own her faith. He was saying, who touched me? He knew it was her, but he wanted her to step forward. And when she did, Jesus said, daughter, she's not named at all, but when she owned her faith, when she stepped forward, he said, daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. That is so amazing to me. You know, Jairus had a plan that day, too. He was a Jewish official. Everyone knew him. He made the schedule for the synagogue. He's the one that made everything stay on track. 
He was there when, I'm sure, when all of the sacrifices were made. Everyone knew who he was. He had a pretty big position. But he threw himself at Jesus' feet in the dirt because he was desperate for an answer for his daughter. How desperate do we have to be to get to that point? He, he came with a plan, and he was willing to do whatever Jesus told him to do to have an answer. But Jesus agreed right away. And as they were on the way, he got the news that his daughter had died. In verse 36, it says, But Jesus refused to listen to what they told them. And he said to Jairus, Don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. I love that about Jesus. So they left for his home, but Jesus did not allow anyone to go with them except Peter and the two brothers. It was a big crowd following Jesus. Remember earlier the disciples had said, this is a huge crowd. How can you ask who touched you? In that crowd, how many people do you think had an issue? Probably all of them. Probably. We all have something. I think Jesus stopped the crowd from coming to Jairus' house because they weren't intent on anything. They were spectators. They were there just to see what Jesus was going to do. But the woman with the issue that he called daughter and Jairus were intent on touching Jesus that day because they had a need and they knew he had the answer. So this is not a long sermon today. I'm about to wrap it up. Can you say amen to that? I have two questions for you today. My first question is, what's your issue? What did you come in here carrying today? Are you like Mac? Do you have a pain that someone else has deposited in you that you've not been able to speak of? Is it an addiction that maybe defines you? Do you have an illness Maybe you've recently gotten a diagnosis, or maybe you've been sick for a long time. Maybe it's a broken relationship, a child you've been praying for. Or moms, maybe you're just in a season with your kids where you feel overwhelmed. Are you ready to be intent today? That's my second question. Could you stand with me? Our worship team is coming out as I bring this to a close, in this crowd here today, we all have issues. But my question to you is, do you want to be intent on touching the one who has the answer? You can come in, and you can watch, and you can leave the same. And that's okay if you want to continue that way. Or, as we begin worship, you can come to the altar and own your faith and say, Jesus, I have an issue. And I bring it to the one, the only one, who can heal, who can repair, who can mend, and who can set free. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.